Swashbucklers are known for dancing their way through combat with a flashing blade and a disarming smile. They've gone through a few iterations as D&D has gone on, sometimes blending elements of both rogue and fighter, and sometimes becoming something altogether new. If the thought of wearing a big feathered hat, swinging on ropes, and dueling with rapiers appeals to you, then I suggest you stick around for this episode, because I'm rather excited to talk about it. It's one of my personal favorite archetypes in the whole game, so let's get into it. Masters of both wit and blade, the swashbuckler has technically been flaunting their charms since 2nd edition D&D, though they were only a warrior kit back then. They briefly became their own class in 3rd edition, and now in 5th edition they are firmly a rogue archetype, though one with a firmly unique identity at that. Swashbucklers are the poster child for roguish charm in D&D. They're all about flamboyant style rather than lurking in the shadows, though they'll probably lose their gold all the same. Commonly, they're pirates swinging from rigging, performers entertaining just as much as they steal. Or they're heartthrobs who leave swooning suitors at every port that they visit. Or perhaps that's just how they see themselves in their head. Mechanically, swashbucklers aren't all that different from your typical rogue, but benefit from a very different playstyle. A swashbuckler can quickly get in, deliver a sneak attack, and then back off unscathed, no stealth required. To reiterate, swashbucklers are a rogue archetype, which means they'll gain all the rogue class features, and you can learn more about that in our rogue guide, which we have done. Here, we'll go through all the unique archetype features gained by the swashbuckler archetype, and how best to utilize them. Fancy footwork is one of the fundamental features you gain when you first pick up the archetype at third level. It's important to note that this feature only requires an attack, not a hit. If you target the enemy with any sort of attack, their opportunity attacks are turned off for the rest of your turn, regardless of whether you hit or not. This is where most of the hit-and-run play style comes in. Because as long as you have a single target, you can run in and stab your enemy and dip back to safety range before they can really do anything about it. And then we have Rakish Audacity. This is the other core feature that swashbucklers gain at the third level, and it does two very important things. The first thing it does is add your charisma bonus in your initiative rolls. Sweet and simple, and it stacks on top of your normal dexterity bonus to initiative rolls as well. This means in most cases you'll be going first or early in initiative. It'll also incentivize you to prioritize high charisma, which will likely lean your character towards the face of the party, which, since you're a swashbuckler, I'm just going to assume that's what you want it to be already. The second feature improves the parameters you need to get the sneak attack in. The raw feature is poorly worded, and I've seen a lot of players get very confused by it. The text isn't replacing your sneak attack parameters, it's adding new ways for you to land it. All told, as a swashbuckler, these are the following ways you can trigger a sneak attack. Those first two are the normal sneak attack conditions that every rogue has. The third one is unique to the swashbuckler. It's meant for dueling and means so long as you get the target alone, you'll always have sneak attacks against them. This is absolutely huge, as most other rogues need to either rely on stealth or having their allies charge in with them to get the sneak attack. Swashbucklers can be more independent, and as long as they aren't swarmed, they can hold their own. And then we have Panache. At 9th level, you gain the second payoff for the high charisma score. Panache provides you with two special ways to use your charisma, or persuasion checks. The first is a combat utility that functions like a taunt. As an action, you make a persuasion check contested by their insight check. And if you win the contest, your target has disadvantage against everything but you for the next minute. It does have the caveats that your target has to hear and understand you, which makes perfect logical sense. And if you run more than 60 feet away from them, the effect ends. 
This still lies in well with your hit-and-run tactics, as you can provoke somebody and then keep dipping away while your allies have free reign, almost putting you into a tank category in the right situations. The second use is out of combat, and it's practically a free charm effect that you'll always have at your fingertips. You make a persuasion check contested by their insight, and if you win the contest, your target is charmed by you for a minute. Extremely useful as a face of the party type of thing. Free charm person with unlimited uses, uh, yeah, you're gonna have a lot of fun. Your DM, maybe not so much, we'll see. And then we have Elegant Maneuver. At 13th level, you can use a bonus action to gain advantage on your next acrobatics or athletics check. Not all that exciting as a tier 3 ability, I must admit, but it's useful and especially out of combat, you'll essentially always have advantage on these types of checks. And then there's Master Duelist. At 17th level, you'll gain a Swashbuckler Capstone, and it's a doozy. After you miss with an attack, you can immediately try again with disadvantage, and therefore sneak attack. The ability recharges on a short rest, which means you're basically free to do it once per combat. Swashbucklers don't differ all that much from other rogues, but gain a bit more when it comes to their charisma modifier. This makes them fit quite snugly into the face of the party role, as many other rogues do as well. But they'll gain some mechanical benefits for that charisma modifier beyond role-playing opportunities. Dexterity is still going to be your most important score and should be as high as you can possibly get it, though. Charisma should be your next highest score, though I would say you don't have to prioritize it as much, and getting it to a 14 or a 16 will serve you just fine. Finally, Constitution should be your next highest ability score, or tied with Charisma. Swashbucklers are still a melee class, and you'll need to be able to take a few hits when the time comes. Beyond that, any remaining points should go towards Intelligence or Wisdom for boosts to various skills and saving throws. Finally, as with most rogues, Strength should be your dump stat. You could play any race as a swashbuckler, though for optimization purposes you'll want a race that improves your dexterity and ideally one that also boosts your charisma or constitution. Starting with the elf, base elves gain a plus two to dexterity and between all the sub-races you'll be able to pick up plus one in your choice of charisma or constitution. Of the options, the sea elf fits thematically if you're going for a pirate and a swim speed can be relevant to your campaign. Otherwise, I'd recommend Eladrin as their face step ability synergizes quite well with the swashbuckler playstyle. And then we have the goblin, which we also just did a video on recently. Goblins gain a plus two to dexterity and a plus one to constitution. Fury of the Small stacks up one hell of a wallop combined with sneak attack. Though just like with other rogues, goblins will lose a lot of their utility due to the nimble escape feature matching the rogue's features, meaning you don't actually gain anything from it, uh, but still, the ability scores line up well, and they're not a really bad choice even in spite of that. I also just kind of enjoy the idea of a charismatic, flamboyant goblin swashbuckler. It plays against type, and that's the kind of thing I enjoy. And then there are grungs. Grungs gain a plus two to dexterity and a plus one to constitution. They're thematically locked into the land of Chult from the Tomb of Annihilation adventure, though, which means your DM may or may not even allow them into the setting that they're playing. Their big draw for swashbucklers and rogues in general is the ability to poison their blades with your own dark, froggy slime. It doesn't scale well, though, so it'll only be a major boost to your damage output at very low levels. We also have the Halfling. Base Halflings gain a plus two to Dexterity, and Lightfoot Halflings gain a plus one to Charisma, and Stout Halflings gain a plus one to Constitution. I consider Lightfoot Halflings as one of the top swashbuckler options, and I should know from experience, as I had one in a sort of seafaring campaign for about 13 months, and I gotta say, the pairing was, yeah, pretty good. 
The lucky feature is amazing in any situation if it's allowed in your campaign, and stout halflings are also a fine option and pick up poison resistance for their trouble. And then of course we have the human. Base humans gain a plus one to each ability score, and the variant human gains a plus one to two abilities of their choice and a feat. Humans are always going to be the most flexible race, and this is no exception. If your DM is allowing it, Variant Humans is also the fastest way to pick up one of the swashbuckler feats we'll be getting into in just a moment. And another race we have covered on this show already, the Tabaxi, which gain a plus two to dexterity and a plus one to charisma. Finally, these cats are my pick for the absolute strongest race option for swashbucklers. Their ability bonuses line up perfectly, but what puts them over the top is their feline agility feature. Swashbucklers want to stab and back off, and this feature gives you a burst of speed that will let you dash in, stab, and dash away unharmed back out of range. If you're building a new swashbuckler, I would say give this cat a chance. Feats are truly optional, and you can use feats to specialize your character in a number of ways, but if you're picking through the feat options, there are a few that I would say synergize well with a swashbuckler as opposed to other ones. As I've made it clear on this show, I truly think some feats are just straight up useless. Something that isn't useless though is alert, especially for a swashbuckler. You can't be caught by surprise and hidden enemies don't get advantage on you, all of which is golden, but the reason it fits the swashbuckler so well is the plus five bonus to initiative. Combined with your dexterity modifier and charisma modifier, you could easily have a plus 10 bonus to your initiative rolls and going first into combat is a key part of the swashbuckler battle plan. And then we have Fey Touched, a new feat out of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. This lets you put up another point into Charisma while gaining a vital spell for swashbucklers, Misty Step. Sometimes you won't have the movement needed to zip in, attack, and get out. And sometimes you really need to make that happen. A Misty Step at the right time can completely change the combat situation for the better. And it's worth the cost of a feat to pick up. Again, another thing I definitely learned from experience. One of my personal favorites is Inspiring Leader. An excellent choice for any high charisma class, this lets you pump up your squad with temporary hit points equal to your class level plus your charisma modifier by spending 10 minutes giving a rousing speech. As a force multiplier, this feat is quite solid and the temporary hit points can make all the difference in a precarious battle situation, especially if your battle situation is taking place out on the water. If I had to pick my favorite aspect of the swashbuckler, whether it be mechanically or role-playing or anything like that, I think my favorite aspect is that I really just don't have to try hard to defend why they're so cool. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content like this every week. And if you're creating a swashbuckler that you're proud of, or if you've made one in the past that you're proud of, I would love to hear about it down in the comments. I would say the best one that I've ever encountered was a halfling swashbuckler named Merrick Lamplighter. He was someone that started off quite careless, but slowly adopted the role as captain and kind of moved on to better things throughout the 13-month session that we had. It was actually, I would say, one of the better experiences I've had as a DM watching that kind of player and indeed the character grow. Thanks again for watching. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, Farewell, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out.